great to have you guys here. Hey, I want to say a quick thank you for those of you who've come out. I can see people are starting to come back to church. We've got a good crowd today. Thank you so much. Appreciate you doing that. If you are still at home, it's okay. We're glad you're with us too, of course. We just want to say again, thanks for being a part of our services. Some people don't live anywhere near one of our campuses, so you're part of our online campus. And by the way, Pastor Emil's doing a great job with our online team. And so thank you for all that you guys do. Let's give it up for those guys. They're doing a great job. But I want to also take a moment to thank all of our pastors who preached last week and all of our campus pastors preached. So let's give it up for Pastor Dante at Broadcast, Pastor Paul at Rodfield, Rusty out at Padre Island, Matt at Westside, Pastor Nick at Rockport, and Pastor Nate at Stone Oak. Thank you so much, guys. We love each and every one of you. Also, hey, Stone Oak, congratulations. Today is your one-year anniversary in your new building. We love you guys. It is beautiful out there. It's incredible. We jokingly say Stone Oak ain't stone broke. And so it's a nice area. If you've not been there, it's really pretty. So uh, please check that out. If you're ever in San Antonio, go check out that campus. If you live there, certainly it's worth cutting across town. You're not the only person that people say, oh, it's like 30 minutes from me. Not on a Sunday. It's pretty quick. And so I want to encourage you to go check it out over there at the Stone Oak campus. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. I'm excited about this topic because I think all of us have someone we need to talk to, someone that we need to have a hard conversation with. Oftentimes when people will say to me, pastor, please pray for you. I'm really going through a tough season. Or they'll say, man, I'm just really miserable. I'm really unhappy right now. Oftentimes I'll say back to them, who is it? Because most of the time when we're having a tough season, it involves a relationship going bad. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a, a friend that you thought you could trust. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a kid in your family or some family member that's kind of going rogue. And maybe it's, it's a problem at work. I'm not sure where it is, but generally speaking, when things are difficult in our lives, it has to do with a person. And so you may need to have a hard conversation. That's what this whole series is about for the next two weeks. I want to encourage you to hang with me. Don't miss this next two weeks. Now, I will tell you, last service, there's a guy who uh, on his way out saw my wife and said, hey, tell Pastor Bill, I love what he said, but I've got someone that I've talked to and they're just, they're too immature to receive what I'm telling them, next week will help you with that. So be sure to be here next week as we continue the series. But today we're talking about how to actually have that hard conversation. And next week we're going to unpack it a little bit more. But I will address when you say, man, uh, you don't understand who I'm dealing with. We're going to address that too, I promise you, next week. But be sure to hang with us for the next two weeks because I think all of us have conversations we need to have with someone. And so please pull out your notes if you would. You can get your notes, by the way, by downloading the Church Unlimited app on your smartphone. If you've got an Android phone and you're still in the 90s, that's fine. Or if you have an Apple phone, I'm just kidding. It was just a joke. So either way, you go to the Android store or the Apple store. You can download the Church Unlimited app and click on notes and you'll have all the notes that I'm preaching from today right in front of you as well. Let's start off with our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. Those are all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. Let me tell you something that I've learned about people. Successful people know how to confront well. Let me say that again. Successful people know how to confront well. You know, you, you see teams that win a Super Bowl. That's great. But the teams that win three and four Super Bowls in a 10-year window has a coach has an administration, has a few key team leaders that know how to confront well. Does that make sense? Because that's the only way you can keep a team together for that long. Normally, the Super Bowl team spins out that next year, and they all want big contracts and leave and go here and there, and then they lose the mojo. How do you keep a team together? 
You have to learn how to confront to be able to keep people on the same page, right? Uh, successful ministries have uh, key people that have been around a long time, you know? And so uh, successful teams in, in workplaces, they, they know how to keep it together. How do you do that? You've got to learn to get along with people. And if you're going to get along with people, you've got to learn to confront. If you're going to have a successful marriage, you need two people to learn how to confront each other because it's just part of life. And so you have to know that you're going to be confronted and you're going to confront them too. That's all part of sticking together. And so this is really important. If you, if you understand what I'm trying to say in a nice way is that if you don't learn to confront well, you might find yourself alone. So it's a big deal that we'll learn how to do this and uh, to receive a confrontation as well as to, to give it. And so how do you do that? How do you have a hard conversation? I'm going to give you five simple things today. I'm going to give you some notes pretty quickly. So be ready to write something down. You want get to your, get your thumbs out and get them warmed up right now so you can take some notes. And so because I speak about 350 words a minute with Gus up to 750. Here we go. All right, so the first verse I want to share with you is this. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, work at living in peace with everyone. Did you notice it says the first word there, work? Because if you're going to get along with people, you're just going to take some work. It's not always easy to get along. So you may want to turn to the loved one you're sitting next to right now and say, you take work. Just let them know right now. Just tell them, you take some work. It's true, right? We have to work at getting along with one another. The first thing you need to know if you need to have a confrontation with someone, if you need to have a hard conversation and talk to someone is this. Number one, would you pray about it? I want to challenge you to pray about it. Before you go talk to them, talk to God about them. Don't go talk to others about them. Go talk to God about them and then go directly to them. The Bible's pretty clear about that. But I want to challenge you is to pray, ask God, because oftentimes we're, we're upset, we're mad at them or we're disappointed or whatever, whatever our emotions are, we're all over the place. And so if you go right then with those emotions, it's probably going to come out wrong. And it's going to lead to a big blow up. You're going to say things you regret. And you know, words, it's kind of like when it comes out of that toothpaste bottle, you can't get those words back in that toothpaste bottle. How do you get it back in? Like once it's out, I'm really sorry I said that. I mean, you can say you're sorry, but you still said it. So this is why we have to learn to go to God. And you may say, but I'm so mad. I'm, I'm, I, I may I cuss at God. He's a big God. He can take it. So you can just unload. I'm not saying be disrespectful to God. I'm saying just tell them how you really feel. I'm, God, I'm just so mad. I just want to rip their head off. You read half of Psalms. That's why David talked. David would say, kill all my enemies, God. And then by the end of the Psalms, he'd be like, okay, you love them too. I mean, it was hilarious. He'd start off so mad, and then by the end of it, he'd realize, well, I know you need to change my heart. So let God work on you. So before you go straight to someone you're upset, just, Lord, I'm just, oh, I'm just mad. I just want to just unload on God. Just, Lord, I just want to do this. I just wish you'd do this, and I can't believe you said that. Just unload and say, God, just, just help me with all this. And then God will calm you down, give you a peace, help you to see things clearly. And once you have that peace from God, then what I want to encourage you to do is to set a meeting. Go to them and say, hey, can we get together? I need to talk to you about something. And so, and I may, I want to also tell you this. I actually don't recommend you go right to it. If you go right to it, first of all, you're probably upset. Number two, um, even if you're calm and you're ready to go talk to them, they don't know this is coming. Now, do you like to be ambushed? Probably not. Neither do they. So this is why I recommend you saying something like this. Hey, whenever you're in a good spot emotionally, there's some things we need to talk about. So would you just let me know when you're in a good spot and whenever you want to in the next hopefully couple of days, we can get together and we can talk. Now, first of all, they're going to be like, oh, great. You know, this means you're mad at me. What do you want to talk to me about? Uh, you know, they, they feel like they're in trouble. And so oftentimes they'll say, okay, let's just talk now. Oftentimes I'll actually say, you know what? Let's not. I want to give you at least, just take 30 minutes at least and then come back and we can sit down and talk. Like, I really want you to be in a good spot. What you're really saying is I'm for you and I want this to go well. 
And so this isn't let me get together and just beat you up with my words. This is let's really reconcile. Let's really get connected. They might even not know that you, you're offended. They may, they may think, I didn't know I did anything. And, and because of that, that's all the more reason to say, well, I want you to get in a good spot first emotionally, and then let's sit down and let's talk. So this is not, the time is not, you know, when your husband or wife gets home from work, plops down on the couch, you're exhausted all day, like, we need to talk. Bad, bad, bad timing. They're already tired. You say things you regret when you're tired. So again, make sure they're in a good spot. So set a meeting, pray about it, then ask for a meeting. James 1, 5 says, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. So just seek the Lord and God will help you get clarity on the issue at hand. Matthew 5, 23 says this, if you're standing before the altar, that means basically you're in church, right? He says, you're giving an offering to God and you suddenly remember someone has something against you. Leave your offering there beside the altar. Go at once and first be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your gift to God. Basically, God is saying here, he says, when you're in worship, if you're worshiping me, you're bringing an offering and all that, you're doing all the things that the Bible talks about in worship. You're, you know, you're, you're praising God. Uh, you're singing to him. You're hearing the word. You're giving. You're doing all the right things. But God says, if you're doing all that and you realize someone's not right with you, stop everything, get it right, then come back to me. What's God saying? He's saying, you can't be right this way if you're not right this way. Wow. In fact, God even tells husbands, he says, don't even pray to me if you're being inconsiderate of your wives. Wow. Like God is serious about us getting along. So you getting along with someone is actually an act of worship. So I want to encourage you to think about it that way. The Bible says this, they will know us by our love. I mean, let's be honest, are most Christians and churchgoers known by their love? Mm, I don't know about that, but we should be. We, sh we should be known by how much we love one another, which means we got to work to get along then. If we're supposed to love, I mean, love one another, we just need to learn to get along with one another first, right? Then we can figure out how to love one another. So that's part of it. So I just want to encourage you that God really takes it serious. He wants us to pray about it, go to him about it, ask for that meeting. And then what do we do when we're in this meeting? Would you write this down? Number two, speak from your own need. In fact, here's a formula I want to give you. Say something like this. When you do A, I feel B. Now, notice what I didn't do is what most of us want to do in a conversation and probably have done. I've certainly done this is we go right at them and we accuse them of stuff. You, you, you're always late. You know what? You're just, you're all just about yourself. You know, you just said this and I can't believe you're such a jerk. But ooh, that's not going to go well. Instead, let's say someone has been a jerk and they've said some things that are hurtful, maybe in public or whatever. Say something like this instead. You know what? When you cut me down the other day in front of our friends, it made me feel horrible. See, that's different than saying you were a jerk the other day and you cut me down. I could say it that way, but they're going to get defensive. I can say, you know, what? when you use harsh words towards me in front of others, it just diminishes me. It makes me feel lousy. Or maybe someone's perpetually late and you say, you're always late. First of all, avoid the word always and never because you're almost always wrong and it never works out well. Always and never. Because you say, you're always late. And they're going to go, no, back two years ago on Tuesday. Remember that Tuesday? I was on time. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were on time. So it's, almost, it's just never, never going to be accurate. There's always going to be time when, it, when there was an exception. So avoid always, avoid never. Instead, you could just bring up the last few times they've done it and say, hey, you know what? When you're consistently late here at the job, it just... It devalues my time because I'm waiting around for you. You know, when you, when you show up late, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make the team take their job serious. Oh, so when you're very specific, when you do A, I feel B. And so I want to encourage you to put that formula in work. It really will help you because it makes it more about the issue than you just accusing them. Because when you make it about them, then they feel attacked. And when you feel attacked, what do you do? You attack back. So this is how fights break out. So look at what the scripture says. Matthew 18 says, if another believer sins against you, 
Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. So let's try to work it out. He says, if someone offends you, if sins against you, go to them. Sin means off the mark. It's an archery term. It means you missed the mark. You missed the bullseye. So if someone's missed the bullseye with you, you need to let them know how it offended you, how, how it bothered you, okay? Now, notice it says go directly to them. It doesn't say go to their friends, go to the whole office, call your mama, call your best friend. You can do all that if you want, but it, normally that goes bad because the Bible's pretty clear to go directly to them. So I don't recommend going to other people, go, go directly to them. They're, that's going to offend them more. This is when they say something like, why didn't you just come to me about this? Now I'm embarrassed. You told your best friend about this, and this is between us, and you told, you know, this person's coworker, and I, you know, I thought we were close enough that you just come to me. And so you're, you're actually complicating it rather than just going directly to them. So if you're offended by them, go to them and tell them. You know, hey, listen, when you did this, it really bothered me. I mean, really, man, it just disappointed me or really offended me, really upset me. And so we need to work this out. So go directly to them. Speak from your own need and use the formula. When you do A, I feel B. I feel B. So it's important that, that we do something. Like here's, let me give you an example. You could say this. I really need more commitment from you in our dating relationship, or I don't think we can move forward. That's a nice way to put it. Or, you say, or the wrong way is to say, I need more commitment from you. If you go, if you're dating someone, you say, I need more commitment from you, that's almost guaranteed breakup words. They're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. But if you explain to them from my perspective, hey, you know what, where we're at, the commitment you're showing, I'm not going to be able to move forward. So you're making it more about you than about them. You're not putting them on the spot. You're saying, I just want you to, this is not how I operate. Maybe you can be more casual with this. I can't be more casual with this. So I'm going to have to kind of have a stopping point until you figure out what you want. So it takes the pressure off of them and you just let them know this is where I'm at. So you're explaining your feelings. Because your feelings are your feelings. I can say, well, you're wrong. Well, but they're my feelings. <laughs> you're not the interpreter of my feelings. This is how I feel. Whether you like it or not, this is how it made me feel. Oh, I didn't mean to. It doesn't matter whether you meant to or not. This is how it's made me feel. So that's why it's important to, to point that out. You did A, and it made me feel B. So I encourage you with that. It's good language to use for this. So here's another one, number three. Clarify the problem and be specific about what you're asking them to change. Now, this is really important. I learned this a long time ago. Someone taught me this, and it's really helped me. I, you know, we have 90 staff members, so you can imagine the conversations we have to have sometimes. Not all the time, but, you know, it's pretty normal. Uh, how many of you guys, I'm curious, manage people? Raise your hand if you manage people and what you do. Okay, this is a big deal. I had to learn this the hard way. And that is that what you don't want to do is shrink the room. Let's say you have a staff meeting and Bob, once again, you know, left a mess out in the break room and he just is not cleaning up after himself. So what do we tend to do? We don't want to go to Bob. So what do we do? We say, hey, everyone, I want to start off the staff meeting by telling you guys, you need to clean up your messes, okay? You guys got it. And everyone's thinking like, well, who did something? Someone did something. Instead of just telling Bob. Like you just made, and, and, and if you keep doing this and, every, and you have a problem with Sally and a problem with Juan and a problem with whoever, and you keep, this keeps, and now you're addressing everyone over one or two issues and they're going to be like, man, I don't like going to staff meetings. Every time I go, it's just like rules after rules. It's because we're, we don't like to have to go directly to the person, but that's the way to do it. Well, case in point, years ago, and I mean years, gosh, over a decade ago, I was so upset with someone I preached like directly to them the whole time. I was like, just preaching right at that person. And everyone had to listen to me. And I thought, that was so mature of me. What am I doing? And so a preacher friend of mine tells me, don't shrink the room to one person. If you're mad at someone, just talk to them personally. Don't make everyone else listen to that. Instead, you know, because I've learned not to do that, I can bring a positive word to you. And if someone really upsets me, I can, I can talk to them later about that, but I can address you and bring a positive word from God. Does that make sense? 
So it's important we learn with people that you don't have to address the whole crowd. That's, that's you living in fear. You're afraid just to go to that one person and tell them. And so, and by the way, they're not going to pick up the hint. Can I tell you, hinting doesn't work. If hinting worked, you wouldn't need to have a hard conversation. But the fact that you still have to have a hard conversation means it didn't work. So don't hint, just tell them. And I love this point because this is one of my favorite things that, that, that I've learned to do. It's, it's hard to do, but I've learned to do this. is just say the hard thing right up front and it's out there. Just, just get it out. Just once you say it, it's, it's, it's done. So I've learned that I have to do this. Clarify the problem. Be specific about what you're asking to change. Let me just, so, so let's say you're in a dating relationship, ladies, and, and uh, you, you know, you're, you're a little frustrated with what you're seeing your man doing online. And so, you know, social media, that kind of thing is a very common issue right now. Well, it's amazing how I got everyone's attention all of a sudden. This is a common problem. We're seeing more and more of this. And so, you know, you say, hey, uh, I just want to talk to you about this. Um, can you just kind of be careful online with what you say? Just, just want to be careful. And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, just, you know, you can just be careful. Okay, sure. It's not going to do it. They're not, they don't know what you're talking about. So you got to be specific and just say, hey, I don't really want you following that girl who posts posts like that and then commenting on her post because it looks like you like her instead of liking me. Can you not do that? So then you're like, you would say that? Absolutely, I would. Why? Because that's what I'm asking the behavior to change. So I've got to be specific about what I'm hoping you'll change. Does that make sense? We have to get real specific about it, you know? And so if something bothers you, then you just need to say that to him. Hey, I just need you to kind of work on your attitude. You're like, oh, okay, sure. No, that, they're not going to get that. You need to say, hey, last meeting, you rolled your eyes three times in the middle of the meeting and everyone saw it. Can you not roll your eyes when I, when I bring a directive? I need you to not do that. Oh, I didn't really, you know, or had you ever had this? And you're like, oh, and all the way, by the way, you just rolled your eyes as I told you that. <laughs> How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Any parents in the house? Right? And so you have to be very specific about what you're asking. Here's what I've learned. Here's, here's how I do this. I've learned this a hard way. What you say will be held against you later. So say very little. Did you catch that? Or look what the proverb says about this. Is, this one really helped me. Proverbs 12 says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words. Someone's reckless or driving all over the road, right? They're just all over the place. And if you just keep talking and talking and talking and talking, you don't realize you drove over them five times. You literally just ran over them. You didn't realize you said it because you said 65,000 words, which is the equivalent of a book, by the way, rather than saying two sentences. So believe it or not, you really need to confront someone, get it down to two sentences and say them and then be quiet. Hey, I need to talk to you about something. What's that? You keep cutting me down in front of my mother at our family events. And that when you do that, it diminishes me. Can you not do that anymore? Well, that's very clear, isn't it? So you, this is what offended me. This is how it made me feel. I need you not do that anymore. And then you just, and let them respond. Does that make sense? Because now instead of me going, I don't know what you're trying to say. Oh, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> it was really clear. It's like, you told me the offense. This is how it made you feel. Don't do it again. Got it. And so be clear. If you want a clear response, you need to be clear in your request. And so I've really had to learn this. And it's so awkward when you had to do it. But just say it and be done with it. And don't keep adding to it. Reckless words pierce. That's when we drive all over the place with our words. No, 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 don't do that. Keep it down to two sentences. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed. So again, clarify the problem, be specific about what you're asking them to change. What exactly do you need me to do? And so be very specific. And so more about this next week when we talk about hard conversations too, especially the person who's not getting it. We're really going to unpack that next week. And so be sure to be here 
uh, for that. But this is a big deal. Clarif you need to clarify the effects they're having on you. Basically, you got to say, when you do this, this is how it's making me. You just need to know where you're putting me. This is the position you're putting me in. So let them know that. Now, I've had to, someone asked me uh, yesterday about this as I was talking about it. They said, um, Pastor Bill, what do you do when the person who's offending you is your boss? Like, how do you do? Well, I want to be real careful. When you go to someone like that, you can lose your job. You just need to know they're in a position of power, so you be careful. So how do you do it? You need to let them know that you care for them, that you believe in them, and that this is affecting their leadership. And so this is what I would do if I was in that position. I would say, hey, listen, I really care for you, and I, I'm behind you. I just want you to know I'm, I'm supporting you. I believe in you. But when you say this or do this, it makes it hard for people to get behind your leadership. Oh, well, I want to be a good leader. That's why I got in this position. I had to work up to this role, and so I don't want to be a bad leader. So when I, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I want to respond to that. So women would say, I know the Bible says I'm supposed to be a supportive wife and let my husband lead us spiritually, and I understand that. But what do you do if the guy is just not doing the right stuff? What do you do? You let him know, honey, I want to support you, and I want to back you. But when you do this, it makes it hard for me to do that. See the wording there? So you're like, you're saying, I, I, want to, I want to get behind you. I want to believe in you. But when you say this or when you do that, it's really hard for me to stand back behind you and cheer. So if you could help me, I want to help you win. I just need your help too. And so I, I have had people come to me privately, and that's important, especially if someone is in a leadership role in your life and, and you need to come to them, do it privately. Even if you say, well, that's not fair, they, they, they correct me publicly. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that either way, but if they do, it probably means they're sort of the coach and you're the player. And so it's okay to do it that way. I'm not a big fan of really berating someone publicly, but if you need to get on someone in, in a team setting, but if they're the team leader, then you don't give that back publicly. You do that privately. Time and again in the Bible, you see that. Nathan had to confront the prophet, had to confront the King David. And so he was like, we need to talk, you and me, sir. And then he laid it out and said, you're the man, David, you're the problem here. And David repented. And so, but he, he I'm sure he was embarrassed at his actions, but, but he, he wasn't even more embarrassed by it being a pub, public thing. Then David willfully volunteered to go public with this, and say, I was wrong. And that was the right thing to do. But when David was not being a good leader, he was privately told that. So I just want to encourage you, you can address someone who's even an authority over you, but be very careful how you do it. And so it does work. It, it can work. So clarify the problem. Be specific about what you want to change. And number four, this is a big one, balance, grace, and truth, but stay on task. Balance, grace, and truth. What does this mean? You want to give grace to the person, and you also want to tell them the truth. Here's what I mean by that. If you just tell them the truth, and they don't feel like you love them, they're not going to hear it. Years ago, I was not in a good spot with my boys. Uh, we did a whole message on this, so I'm not revealing anything new here. Uh, if you want to watch that, you just go through our app, and you'll scroll down, and you'll see the, the family one we did. With, we were all on stage. How many of you guys were here for that message? It was very, very raw. We really you know, told the truth on ourselves you know, as a family, and I'm very proud of my family, by the way. But it was through a tough season that we shared about how we really went through some stuff as a family. My, my boys both were uh, rebelling at that time, and I wasn't being really good as a dad either, and so we really learned a lot. But I will tell you one thing that happened during that season that really gripped me, and I'll never forget this. I was talking one time to one of my boys, and I said something positive to them, and they, they turned to me, and it just it kills me. It's embarrassing to even admit this, but I, but I, I want to help you guys. And one thing around here is we're going to tell the truth, okay? 
And so even if it doesn't make Pastor Bill look good, that's fine. I want to help. That's more important. I said something positive with my kids, and they turned to me and they said, wow, Dad, thank you. And then they said this. They said, I think that's the first positive thing I've heard from you in a couple of years. I mean, you, you could have hit me in the solar plex, and it would have been easier to take. I was like, what? Yeah, Dad, I, I haven't heard you say something positive to me. I don't know how long. Now, it wasn't true. I could, I could have gone through 15 times in the last 30 days that I had something, something positive. But it doesn't matter because they didn't perceive that. And that's when I realized they need to always know I'm for them before I get on them. Does that help you? Like I really realized, like if there's not a backdrop of love, if the background is not love, then they're not going to want to hear correction. But if I know someone loves me, you can tell me almost anything if I know you love me. But if I don't think you love me, there's virtually nothing you can say to me that I care about. How many of you guys honestly are like that? Like if I know someone's just a hater, I don't care what you think. But if I know you really love me and you tell me you really need to know this is a problem, you should work on this, and I know you love me, I'll be like, man, I'm going to listen to you because I know you care for me. And so that's what? That's grace. The grace is I'm for you. The truth is this is still a problem. So you have to give both. The Bible is very clear about this, by the way. Think about Jesus. He's the very definition of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Do you know how offensive that is to people? The only way to get to heaven is if you know Jesus. So every other religion's out. Wow, that is brutal. I mean, a lot of people do not like Christians for this very reason. I don't know if you know that. Now, what's funny about this, they haven't really examined other religions closely because they all say the same thing about their faith. You know, and I think there's a few that say, well, we should just believe everything, which is really dumb because if you study them all, they all contradict each other. So that was really foolish. But someone's right and someone's wrong, and that sounds really brutal, but we do believe that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. He said that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. It's just the truth. I'm not trying to be ugly. It's true. But, but when people say that's so mean, he says, no, but that's why I came, because I, I, I love you, because I wanted to make a way. He's like, I am the way. And so before you go, well, that's mean, he could follow it up with, well, there was no way. <laughs> before I came, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the only way to get to heaven is, through, is if you get in by Jesus' grace, because none of us are good enough otherwise. So, so this is where you have to balance both out. Let me show you a scripture that does that. Uh, it says in Romans 6, 23, it's a total balance of these two. In fact, theologians say this one verse is the gospel encapsulated in one verse. There's only two verses in the Bible that really do that. The first is, of course, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But Romans 6.23 says it even more explicitly. Here's what it says. For the wages of sin is death. What we have done, what we deserve for our sin is to die, is death, separation, hell, whatever you want to call it. But, so that's the truth. Your wage, what you've earned for your sin is death. That's the truth. But let me add some grace now. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's truth and grace. Make sense? In the same way we have received Christ by listening to the hard truth that we need a Savior, but then receiving him in grace. In the same way we need to take that same truth and grace when we talk with other people. So when I share with you, I want to tell you the truth, and it may hurt. Here's the truth. You're underperforming right now in our relationship. You have not kept your word. That is the truth, and here's exactly where you underperformed. And it's offended me, and it's bothered me, and I'm upset, and that's the truth. Now here's the grace. I'm for you. 
I love you. I value you. I believe in you. If I didn't value you, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd just blow this off and move on. But that's not the way I feel about you. I care for you. So I told you the truth, the whole truth, nothing but truth. But then I added the fact that I'm for you. So it's both. Maybe you were raised in a home that was nothing but truth. They were just, well, that's just the way it is. You screwed up. I don't care what you, that's, and, and, and you know what? People that grew up in a home like that, they tend to be fearful. They're afraid of rejection a lot. Why? Because they feel rejected by the very people who raised them because there's just nothing but truth, truth, truth. Rules, rules, rules. You broke the rules. You screwed up. You didn't do this. Huh. I mean, it's just nothing but truth. No grace. Or maybe you were raised in a home that was all grace. Oh, congratulations, you woke up this morning and you actually showered. Good job. You actually, we're going to give you a participation trophy. And all of a sudden, when someone has to get on you, you just crumble. You're like, oh, this is so hard. They said, my boss got on me. You're like, yeah, bosses do that. That's kind of their job. And so why are you freaking out? And so if you got nothing but truth, you typically are very negative and on people on earth. Or if you got nothing but grace, you crumble when any kind of truth is told to you. We need what? We need grace and truth. There's a balance there. And so in the same way, when we talk to someone, we got to make sure we're delivering both. It's not one or the other, it's both. Here's the truth. The truth is, is that if you don't have Jesus, you're not going to heaven. Here's the grace. You can receive him right now for free. You have to do anything. Just receive him. That's it. He did it all. Wow, that's it? Really? Yes. So it's, it's a mix between grace and truth. We actually need both. Now, how many of you right now are thinking, okay, this sounds great, Pastor. I hear everything you're saying, but I've tried all that. It didn't work. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, I've done that. This is so frustrating to hear the sermon because they didn't listen. Now, at extreme cases, we're going to talk about that next week, but I want to just say this. I bet they're being defensive. You know what people who are defensive have done? They've continued to do something over and over again that they know is not right and bothers people, and so they've learned to build a defense around it so they can keep doing it. Make sense? And so they're defensive about it now, okay? So you say, you're late again. And they're like, well, the reason I'm always late is because blah, blah, blah. They always have a reason, you know? Or, you know, once again, you, I feel devalued. You do this, you do that. Well, you got to remember, you know, and I know all what happened. You know, when I was six years old, you remember what happened to me? And you're like, I know you're 40 now, and you're still bringing up what happened when you were six. Well, you don't know what I went through and how hard. Okay, you know what? To be fair, I don't know. I didn't walk in your shoes, and I'm sure that was horrific what you went through. But do you realize you have a six-year-old now, and they're going to be saying the same thing about you because you're taking what you went through, and you're letting that be your excuse to be a bad father or a bad husband, and then you're going to have a six-year-old, and they're going to be in counseling with it because you didn't face this issue from when you were six. See the problem? So we have to do what? Grace and truth. We combine them together, and then here's the, the key part. And this is where the conversation will change for you this time around when you talk to him. Is that first of all, you didn't ambush him. We already talked about that. Don't ambush him again. Give them time to prepare. Give them time to think, sing through. And so I want to give you three steps on how to deal with someone who's defensive, okay? Here they are real quick. Write these down. The first is be prepared for it. They're going to they're gonna do it. You have already know that because they did it before. Okay, so be prepared for it, okay? The second thing is hear them out to a point. So go ahead and let them give you their defense. And then here's my favorite part. The third one is this. Make the defensiveness an issue. So let me give you the line to say at this point. You say something like this. I've noticed that every time I bring this up, you get defensive. So now, at that point, they're going to try to defend being defensive, which looks really foolish. And it's like, yeah, I know. You already told me why you, why you do that. You do realize that just because you have a good reason why, it's still hurting me, though, right? Like, I know you say that the reason you're late is because traffic's bad, but... Now that you know that, why haven't you just left the house 15 minutes earlier? I mean, I know you're using, you, you've always tell me that the reason you're having a hard time at work is because of what you're going through at home, but you do know that other people have hard home lives too, and they put a smile on their face when they get to work. Like, like you just have to make a choice here. And so 
you do know that every time I bring this up, you, you, you want to defend it. Why, why, why are you having to defend this? What is it about it that makes you want to defend it? And stay at it. Don't get off tech. Don't let them. Well, you know, you always, well, we can talk about it another time if you want, but right now we're going to stay on this. And stay at it to get it fixed. If you'll stay at it, you're essentially cornering them. And I know when people get cornered, they come out fighting. And so again, you need to put them in the corner and say, no, no, I'm not cornering you to hurt you. I'm bringing grace here. I love you. I will forgive you. We can, we can do this, but, w- but we're not going to keep doing the, the problem. We're going to change. But I love you, and I care for you, and I want this to change because I, I value you. And so you got to stay at it. Did you know that 69% of relationship problems are perpetual? We're fighting over the same thing again and again and again, aren't we? And so that means someone's built a defense around it. You got to hang with it and break down that defense and say, no, I'm sorry. I, I understand what you're telling me, and it's understandable, but it's not excusable. I understand you drink a lot because you don't, you're not really happy. I understand that. It's understandable. It's not excusable. Alcohol is not going to help you with depression. It's going to actually make it worse. So I understand why you don't want to drink, but it does not excuse over drinking. So you stick to it. And if you'll do that and let them know you love them, you're going to stay with it, they'll eventually trust and realize, okay, you actually do love me. You're not trying to hurt me. You're trying to help me. But you've got to convince that. You've got to convince them that. You've got to love them. I love you. I care for you. I'm not backing off. But this is best for you as well. A lot of times people don't receive our feedback because they think it's just about us wanting what we want. You have to show them how this is hurting them. If you can do that, you can win them over. And so, but you've got to stay with it. The last part is this. Number five, apologize for your part of the problem. Apologize for your part of the problem. Matthew 7 says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And so if you are part of the problem, you need to admit your part. Now, let me be real careful here. When I say you may be part of the problem, we almost always have a part to play in, in what we're dealing with between two people, between you and whoever you're offended by. And generally, you've added to the problem. Let me be real careful before you get mad and stomp out. I'm not referring to people who are being abused. I'm not saying that, that, some, that there's a good reason to hit you. No, or a good reason to touch you inappropriately. I'm not, no, not at all. Take abuse cases out of this for right now. Okay, I'm not talking about that. But generally speaking, Aside from abuse, we have added something to the problem. Here's what I mean by that. You may say, well, I'm totally a victim. Generally speaking, we're not totally victims. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, very few of us have just gotten out of our car and got shot by somebody. I mean, okay, yeah, that happened to you. You're a victim, no doubt about it. I mean, you didn't do anything to deserve that. You just got out of your car and boom, that just happened, right? Okay, clearly we can say that's, that's being a victim, okay? But having said that, let's back up. I want to challenge you. Most situations aren't that extreme. And you may say, but I didn't make them do this, but they're always this way. And so, you know, you say, man, I, you know, you go to this person, you're like, I need to talk with you. I love you. I care for you. I need to bring this up. You don't realize that every time I go to the party, you're way too flirty and it really diminishes me. makes me feel really weird. makes me not trust you. I need you to quit being flirty. And then they defend themselves. Well, I'm just friendly. I'm just being friendly. You know, I got a couple of drinks. I mean, it doesn't make that excuse. Just because you're friendly doesn't mean you should be flirty. Do you want me to be flirty with other people? No. Well, then why are you thinking this is okay? And you got to st- stick to the thing, stick to it, right? But then they may say, well, hold up. Do you remember that time when you were this way? And instead of going, oh, I didn't, don't defend it. You got to say, you're right. 
Uh, I, you're right, that was, not, that was not right. You see, it's really hard for someone not to own up to their crap if you own up to yours. Did you catch that? You've got to own up to your own crap. And you can say that in church. And if you'll do that, then they're more willing to own up to their crap. But we have to be humble enough to say, well, here's the part where I'm wrong. And maybe for you, the answer is this. They may say, I've been doing this for years, and all of a sudden you're offended. And you may say, you know what? The truth is, is I've been wrong because I've always been bothered by it, and I never really came to you about it. Or I came to you once, and you shut me down, and I was still bothered by it, and I should have told you again. I, I shouldn't have let up. And that was my fault. Maybe you're owning up to the problem is saying, I let this slip. I let this slide for a long time, and I shouldn't have. It's not okay. But apologize for your part, and they're going to be more willing to apologize for their part. Now, let me just say this at the end here. This is a tough conversation, isn't it? We're even having this, just talking about it is hard. I know. But let me just say this. If you love them, if you value them, you will have a hard conversation with them. Because if you don't have a hard conversation with someone you care for, eventually you, it will divide you. So this may surprise you, but having the hard conversation is the loving thing to do. The unloving thing to do is to ignore it because eventually it will separate you. This is where the guy calls me and says, I don't know what happened. I just came home and, and she was gone. She packed everything and left. I'm like, well, did she ever talk to you about it? Well, yeah, we went through this and that and did you ever fix it? Well, you know, I just, so you defended your actions the whole time. Well, what did you, you expect that was going to happen, man? She warned you, she told you, she came to you, you went to counseling, you told, said the counselor was an idiot because they agree with your wife. And so you, this is what happens. Congratulations, you're right and alone. I don't want to be alone. How about you? Which means I've got to listen to criticism and I've got to receive hard conversations and also need to sometimes have hard conversations. The loving thing to do is to have the talk. Or as God said it in his word, a good father disciplines the child he loves. He, he does the hard thing. He has the hard talk in the same way. It's not an act of hate to have a hard conversation. It's an act of love. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. I know it's a tough message today. I want to encourage you today, if this is something that you know God is speaking to you about having a talk with someone, and maybe you're a bit burdened by this now, thinking, oh, now I have to do this. Would you just lift your hand high? We want to pray for you. We know this is not easy. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our campuses, all across online. In fact, if you're online, you can just put a little hand emoji right now into the chat box right now. We'll know that we need to pray for you, that you need to have a hard talk with someone. We get it. Just, just let us know. Just put a hand emoji right now in the, in the text portion there on the stream, or if you're at one of our campuses, just lift your hand high. Our campus pastors are there. They're going to pray for you. They see that hand. I see these hands. We see that hand in Rodfield right now. We see the hand at Stone Oak. We see your hand up in Rockport, praying for you at Padre Island. We see that hand on West Side. We see those hands. We're going to pray for you. We know this. You have a hard talk to have, but you know what? God goes before you. Before you have the talk, he is there with them, and he loves them more than even you do. So he wants to use you in a positive way to bring positive change in their life and in your relationships. Thank God for that. We're going to be praying for you this week. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you just heard for the first time some grace and truth that's been offered to you. See, the truth is, is that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. The truth is we're going to hell without Jesus. But the grace side of that is that we get to receive him if we'll just open our hearts to him 
He comes in and forgives us of all our sins and gives us heaven for free. We do nothing for it. We just receive it. That is the very definition of grace. Unmerited favor. We just get it for free. But you got to swallow the truth that you need Jesus. And you get the grace of a relationship with him, of his forgiveness, of his renewal. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Christ right now by praying a very simple prayer. Pray this prayer out loud with me. You can just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sins. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.